is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's lovely. It's love the Lord, don't we? Love the Lord. It's all about relationship. It's not about structures and organizations. The Christian church is a body. It's organic. It has life in it. And it has you in it. If you know Jesus as your personal saviour, the Bible says you are saved and you're brought into a new body. The body of Christ, the body of the church. And the body of uh, the church is asked to walk in a certain way. And I'm very thankful that Rachel picked the verses on the wall that are up in the outside wall, which is the Lord's Prayer. The simple instructions, but deep and profound instructions given by Jesus of this is how you should pray. What Jesus was here to do is connect us with God the Father. Connect us with himself and with God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons of the Godhead. And Jesus came in bodily form, fully God and fully man, because God did not want to stay in a place where he was far away in our minds, in our hearts. The creator of the cosmos, yes he is, but he's also the one that sent his own son, fully God and fully man, to declare the glory of God in the face of Christ. What's it going to be like when we see Jesus one day? Have you ever thought about that? It's going to be wonderful. I know that. I just don't know what it's going to be like. There are pictures in the Bible. But blessed are those who have not seen Jesus and yet believe. And Jesus himself, before he went to the cross, before he died and rose again, what did he pray? Do you know who he prayed for? Us. You and me. But those that have never seen him and never met him would read the word of God, would experience the Holy Spirit's challenge of the good news of Jesus, about trusting in him, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and then he wants to come in. And he says, I'll give you another counselor. I'm going to be with the Father. I'm going to send... God the Holy Spirit and right now Jesus positionally is seated at the right hand of Father God in heaven positionally Christians are told you are in Christ seated with him in the heavenly realms that's a wonderful picture hard to understand but it's true so if you're in Christ and you've trusted him as your saviour you're connected you're in the body it's wonderful that but it's by grace you're saved not through works so that nobody can boast Jesus paid all of the price on the cross at Calvary that we could not pay. I was saying to the children, who's never told a lie? And they were really honest. They have told lies. So have I. Who's, who's never been naughty? <laughs> we're all being honest. <laughs> we have all been naughty. But it's more than that. We've been sinful. We've done unholy things. Things that are not in God's plan. Things that cause pain and hurt and separation. That's what sin does. It creates a distance. And because of the beginning with Adam and Eve being selfish, and do you know what the temptation was? I want to be just like God. Oh, sorry, you can't. Because there's only one God. So get back in your box. <laughs> Human kind. Right? Arrogance of man to think that he can be God. That she can be God. That we can. 
And we need to humble ourselves in the Christian faith to know that we are not a saviour, and we are not God, and we need a saviour, and we need a God in our lives, that we need to humble ourselves before him. And then only when we humble ourselves and we surrender, I surrender, Lord. And then he comes in. Can I also say that as a Christian, and I say this very much to myself as God challenges me on a daily basis, surrender, I surrender, Lord, comes on a daily basis. Even on an early basis, I dare say, and I'm not trying to be legalistic and you'll know my heart here. The hymn writer said, I need thee when? Every hour. Every hour I need thee. And I think simply sometimes by our programs and our missions and our busyness and our work and all these things are good, we can sometimes forget the importance of the quiet place. Our brother Michael Healy, so God's blessed us with wonderful men. We said cheerio, not goodbye to George Mitchell recently because I'm going to see him again one day. We said Chiro before that to Sandy and Keith and others. But we're still blessed to have guys like Michael Healy, who's been a pastor for 30 years. And do you know what he told me was the number one problem in his church? He won't mind me sharing this because he told me. Was personal devotionals. Encouraging his church to have a chosen time with God every day. He would challenge the church to say, don't you rely on a Sunday service to feed your soul with the Lord. On a daily basis, are you reading the Word? On a daily basis, are you praying? On a daily basis, are you listening? Are you seeking the Lord and trying to know him more? It's all, so my thought today is, and I'll get to it, is Paul said, I want to know Christ. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. He didn't say for me to live as church, for me to live as ministry. He didn't say that. He didn't say for me to live as work. He said for me to live as Christ. And he later said, I want to know him. God is looking for people who will seek him. Not just when they're saved the first day, when they're seven years old, but every day. And Jesus modeled this. Jesus didn't step out in a day without first spending time with God, his father, and praying and modeling it and seeking and being in unity with God the Father. What would the Father have me do today, Jesus? would say, I do what the Father says, right? I challenge you, if you think, Jesus works independently of the Father and doesn't need relationship with the Holy Spirit and the Father. Read the book of John and you will find, undeniably, Jesus never moved without the Father's instruction and without the Holy Spirit's sending and empowerment. They were one, relational. And Jesus knew the need, walking this earth, fully God and fully man, to take time out of his day and to be setting aside time to pray. True. It's true. So how much more do we need to now, we know life is busy. I'm the same. I like audiobooks. Listen to audiobooks. Well, I can do that while I'm doing other things. That's how I'm wired. There's a brilliant daily devotional by the guy that founded Alpha Course, him and his wife, Nikki Gumbel. It's called The Bible in One Year. How about challenging yourself? These are freely available if you can just work up on your phone. Or there's a hardback book or a softback book. They provide a daily devotional, daily scripture readings, and then you get a very simple explanation from Nicky Gumbel about what it means so that you better understand it. It accelerates your quiet time. So you see, this is too difficult. I can't get into Leviticus. Yeah, you can. Because God's blessed us with not only copies of this Bible in abundance, but also tools that have been created by godly people. And you can just sit and you can hit play on that on your phone and it will read to you 
the scriptures for the day and the Bible in one year, and it will give you commentary and helps to help you in your quiet time to then go, I'm going to pray about that, I'm going to think about that, I'm going to meditate in God's word. There are lots of ways to do it. You can just do the old school, just get the Bible out. <laughs> I was listening this morning to the Bible in one year, and Nicky Gumbel says, I like spending the mornings on my knees in prayer. Sermon over. <laughs> and you wonder why God blesses people like Nicky Gumbel. And you wonder why God blesses ministries that come out of that ministry, like Alpha Course. Do you know why? Because that people know how to go on their knees on a daily basis. They're not perfect individuals. None of us are. But they know how to connect with God. And they know the need to not step out without him. Can I challenge you? Lord's Prayer. Daily. Create time. I once went to a conference that put me off prayer forever. <laughs> it didn't really have that effect because it didn't. But at first it did. Because they were basically giving you like 12 ways to pray. And it was an all-day conference and it really dis discouraged me. Because it was like, you must sit down and pray in this way for one hour, twice a day. Something like that, right? And you must do this and you must do that and you must do that. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is whatever works for you, but make the time. R.T. Kendall has said, show me a minister, show me a pastor in the UK that spends two hours a day in prayer. Show me them. And from his experience, it was a rarity when he spoke to pastors. Pastors. His advice would be for Christians to spend an hour a day with the Lord, just at least put an hour aside. But don't let that be legalistic to you. All I'm trying to say is, how do we walk knowing Jesus every day? So I think it's wonderful. God the Father sometimes can, in our minds, we're struggling to connect. So Jesus came to show us what he's like in a, in a man. So if you want to know how I should live, read the Gospels. The Gospels will show you how you should treat us, walk up to a sinful person and not judge them. The Gospels will show you how to show compassion on people. The Gospels will show you how Jesus tackled religious people who got it all wrong. You can't go wrong if you know Jesus more. So how do you know more? What do you read? The book and how do you understand them more you read the book and how do you hear them more you, you pray and you meditate and you ask God to speak to you and he will he will do that knowing Jesus every day I'll just be reading through these scriptures I'm not going to go for them line by line but I, I just challenge you to take these ones away and in your own time, if you like to, use them in your devotional. One of the most helpful passages I've found, particularly over the last six months or so, for whatever reason, is Psalm 23. Psalm 23, sometimes we think of it as a kind of psalm for when we're at funerals and end of life. But God's really just been speaking to me about the richness of this psalm for everyday life. For just knowing that this is not about a religion, a God that's away out here, about a church structure, about a program. It's about a relationship with God who loves us and who cares for us every day, who leads us every day. And I'm just going to read it through and just make a couple of comments. Psalm 23, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to it. It's also on the screen. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Let's stop here for a minute. 
a shepherd's a lovely picture, isn't it? Isn't it great how the Bible uses really simple picture language? Because he knows we're struggling to relate to who he is. He doesn't want to be this God who's the God who's invisible. He wants to be a God that's understood in a way that we can connect to. So he uses earthly jobs like being a shepherd that the people can, anybody can understand. And he says, I want to be your shepherd. And the shepherd is out in the fields looking after the sheep. There's green pastures, there's provision for the, for the, for the, for the sheep. There's quiet waters there. There's refreshment. And there's paths of safety. He'll guide me along the right path. So I just want you to not so much think technically about this passage, but think in pictures, because this is a picture passage. Right? Think about the shepherd in the field. Think about the green pastures. Think about the quiet waters. Think about refreshment for your soul. And think about the shepherd providing guidance for you along safe paths along that journey. That's what it means when Nicky Gumbel says, I love to kneel before the Lord every morning and seek his face and pray and read and ask what God would say to me today. I'm not elevating him as a special person, neither would he elevate himself, a sinner saved by grace, but modeling Christian discipline in a way that's helpful. And then the refreshment comes, the guidance comes, it's relational. It's not one way. God expects us to make the time. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Life, life is really difficult. In fact, I think I could probably preach any Sunday from now to whenever the Lord takes me home or Jesus comes back, if that's first. And I could say this same phrase, life is not easy, and everyone's going to nod. Yeah? Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So his solution to trouble in the world is himself. And he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, I think life's difficulties can make you feel as if you've been abandoned. Have you felt that way? Life circumstances, and it's okay to be honest, because we need to be honest with our family here. When things go terribly wrong in your family situation and you lose your job or tragedy hits or world like a pandemic, it's easy to think God has abandoned us. But he hasn't. He hasn't. He's spoken in Old and New Testament to say if you put your trust in the Lord, he's always with you. If you put your trust in Jesus as your saviour, he'll never leave you. It just appears that the troubles of the life have created a distance that isn't there. So what do you do in those days? You get before the Lord exactly the same when you walk through a dark valley and everything's going wrong and everything's against you and there's wars and rumours of wars as there is right now and there's pandemics. But the answer is the same. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right past. The answer to verse 4 is in verses we just read in 1 to 3. Go back to the beginning and remember the same daily. I really feel for the folks in Ukraine, it's hard to watch that news just now and to see fathers separated from their children 
and not being allowed to leave with them and having to fight a war they didn't choose. That's when the rubber hits the road. And we don't know what it's like, by God's grace, yet, to know what it's like to really be in that place. But there are people singing in the undergrounds. God's praise. There are Christians who are standing up and they're not leaving. They are saying the Lord is our shepherd. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff will comfort me. That's when the rubber really hits the road. When there's even fear for life. Life and death situations. But also let's apply it to ourselves and not be discouraged when things apparently go absolutely haywire. And it's like there's a war going on in our family and there's a war going on in our life. He's a really good father, you know. The God that flung the stars into space. This is Graham Kendrick. Wonderful hymn writer, by the way, Graham Kendrick. Hands that, hands that flung, flung stars into space to cruel nails surrendered. Wow. Jesus faced a war against his life for us and against sin and death. And do you know something? He won. It is finished. Our sins nailed according to Colossians. The curse broken and our list of wrongdoing nailed to the cross at Calvary for every person who trusts in Jesus as their personal saviour. Your sins are washed away. We said it to the kids, didn't we? Nailed figuratively to the cross in reality, spiritually, Jesus came to Christ. I know I'm saying a lot here, but we need to speak the truth of the word of God in its completeness and not skip things. But the goal is relationship, not academic knowledge. And the goal is not, I feel guilty because I want to serve God, so I'm just going to start a ministry. The, the goal, if you do nothing for God, he's asking you to love him with all your heart, soul, and your mind. Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment. It's not your works. The work of God is this, to love God and to love others with that same love. So that's why I'm encouraging very simple things like we talked about earlier, which should be able to model that. That's why I'm encouraging what we're doing in the coffee house and others. When you love God first and you're acting out in love, God will bless you because you're seeking a love relationship with him. Does that make sense? It's so freeing when you actually experience this. God is your father. And then moving on to, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You know, we've talked about that situation, that terrible situation going on just now in Ukraine. And we do pray that God will supply and provide a table of provision, strength, protection, healing, empowerment, direction, wisdom. There's a whole lot of things we could pray. God knows the answer. So let's pray. But also apply it back. There's provision for you and me when life goes haywire. When we go haywire. But are we willing to stop and say, God, you've still got everything I need. I don't need to go searching for other help. You prepare a table for me. Yeah. In the middle of this chaos of life. In the middle of this discouragement of life. You've prepared for me. 
you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Just that signal of blessing and presence. And if you get to the New Testament, the oil of the Holy Spirit, God's presence with us overflowing. And surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's why I wanted to impress that new song today that brings out of Psalm 23 what isn't in some of the other hymns. It's maybe there, but it's not maybe as clear. Surely goodness. And surely mercy. Right beside, right beside me. All of my days. Not one day when we go to heaven. Sometimes when you accept Jesus, the gospel could be presented like almost like a gift that you receive and you just put it away in a corner. So we talk about Christmas. Give the gift, God's given the gift of his son, let's receive him and accept him for salvation and your sins are washed away. Yes. Great. One day you will go to heaven. Hold until then. <laughs> and in some ways that's maybe the way I thought more as a child, but the more as I've grown up, spiritually no more, the more I realise God's, God's chapping the door of my life on a daily basis and he's saying, can I come in please? <laughs> And it doesn't mean salvation. What he's actually asking for is for fellowship, for me to make myself available to read his word and to listen to him and to pray. And I'm not trying to say I'm anywhere near excellent at these things. That's why I mentioned Nicky Gumbo because I'm a bit more confident than him. <laughs> I'm a bit more confident to use his example over 30 years and trust that his daily walk is matching up to that. But the thing is, it's about just opening up to God and his goodness and love is available for us every single day. Jesus then takes that picture in John 10. Again, you can turn to it if you've got your Bibles, but it's on screen. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not in this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. So see what I've been saying earlier on about Jesus in constant connection and one with the father, one God. Relational, spending time, listening and relationship. Finding this is what Father's asking me to do. I'm obedient to the Father. And the blessing comes to us. But then he connects us, he connects that relationship to us. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. Who's his sheep? Who's his sheep? It's you and I. We like sheep have gone astray, says the Old Testament passage. We like sheep have gone astray, each to their own way. But the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity, the sin of us all. It's true, isn't it? So we wander like sheep. But Jesus says, I'm here to hear you. I know my sheep. So there's a calling of God that comes to us. And there's a response. Because he says, my sheep know my voice. So I really do pray, honestly, that if there's one thing we're trying to do as a church, it's surely trying to have people hear the voice of Jesus as their personal saviour. Isn't that true? And to hear him and to accept him and to love him. If we do that as a church, then we're doing well. And then if we can encourage people on a daily basis to 
to get to know them more and spend time with them, then we're probably doing pretty well. Do you know, I think sometimes we can just overcomplicate even Christianity and we can overcomplicate church and life when really it's all just about this kind of simple, I will spend time with you, Lord, I'll read your word, I'll pray, I'll listen, I'll act according to it as best as you enable me. And there's other people who need to hear that. And guess who's going to tell them? Who's going to tell our community about Jesus? Us. And I'm not, I'm not being funny saying that. I'm just challenging us. It's you. It's me. When you're in your workplace and you're in your service and when we're doing things here, speak, speak the name of Jesus. Tell them. You've got a good father. Tell them you've got a wonderful saviour and your, your life would be nothing without him. And see when authentic Christianity comes across like that, that's powerful. The gospel is the power of God into salvation. And when it's testified in a life that's been changed and you know God personally, I challenge anybody in their community to not see that that's real and respond. It's lovely we're doing Alpha. We have at least one non-Christian coming to Alpha. Would you pray for Alpha? At least one person. And others that are maybe really new to knowing Jesus need to know more. So this is our prayer. That they, all of them come to the Alpha gets to know Jesus for salvation and for every day. And that God helps us as a church to do better. Do better individually. And do better as a congregation knowing Jesus every day and to ministering the way he wants us to do every day just move on to there it's wonderful isn't it that God wants us to hear his voice Jesus says you will know my voice I actually want to speak to you individually to help you to lead you to guide you um, verse 27 there my sheep listen to my voice I know them and they follow me I give them eternal life, and that's that promise of life in the future. But I think, as Hugh said at the beginning, he touched on this, it's life now. It's eternal life now. And again, this is something that, as a Christian, you can sometimes say, great, okay, I've got, my, I've got my ticket to heaven, and I'll put it down there, and I'll just wait for when I need it. Every day I'll just live whatever I feel like. <laughs> that's the problem with thinking of eternal life as one day in heaven. But eternal life is now. Transform life is now. God's Holy Spirit is here now to help us have a new life. He that is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come now. They'll never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand than I and the Father are one. That's again repeating. See how important Jesus is feeling, and this goes through the whole, particularly the book of John, I feel, where Jesus is revealing the Father and showing the Father and the Holy Spirit and showing how his connection here on earth is important and showing how the connection with all three parts of the Godhead is relational and important for us and hearing the voice of the Lord. It's wonderful, isn't it? So to have her brother talked quite rightly about the need to have full assurance. What does the word assurance mean in regards to our salvation? What do you think it means? No doubts. 
it means being sure that you're sure that you're sure that your sins are washed away because of Jesus. It means you're sure that you're sure that you're sure that his Holy Spirit's with you now because you know him. And it's not just words on a page, it's actually experiential. You can feel his presence at times. Have you ever felt his presence? Hands up, I'm just going to do it. It's not, not a class, right? But can I just say, pretty much loads of people's hands are actually up there. It's true. It's not always that you feel God's tangible presence, but it often does happen. And when you're spending quiet time, Philippians 4 tells us there's a promise that when we spend time with God and we cast our anxieties onto him, he gives us what? Peace. He places onto us his peace. And it says it guards our hearts and it guards our minds. So there's a very real sense we should feel something tangible when we are really connecting to God by his word and in prayer. And if we're we're casting our prayers and anxieties, we should actually feel peace in here. And I, I know from folks here, you, you know what I mean. And that's what you're testifying to. When I take time apart with the Lord, I really do feel his peace. But also, it doesn't mean just your quiet time. There's a book by, I can't remember who it is, the guy that's passed away, he was actually a monk, and he talks about just, just turning your attention towards the Lord throughout the day. So if you're not in your quiet time and you're not in your, your Bible study, you can't do that when you're out working. But what they were encouraging to do was just have an awareness of God all the time, or as much of the time as you can think. And just try and just, maybe there's a wee praise song in your mind. My papa Adam used to go about singing, Oh, happy day! That fits my, in between the day, right? <laughs> Songs can help. Scripture verses sometimes help. But just, can I, I'm just trying to really pastorally speak into your lives the way I believe God's been working on me. <laughs> and he's worked on lots of people before me in history. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. The hymn writer says, look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will become strangely dim. How do you do that? You don't just do it in a church service, you do it when you walk in and everything's going wrong. Oh, Lord, help me. Sigh. Oh, Lord, help. All you can do is that. It's good enough. You've at least asked them. I'm not going to go to this particular passage, but the first time I was ever asked to speak, in my old church, uh, I turned to a passage in Revelation, which seems mad for the first time that you ever preach in a church, and I was only given like five, ten minutes, but I really felt compelled to speak upon it, and it was a message to the church in Laodicea, and uh, it was one of those ones where I guess I was just obedient to what God asked me to do, and I, I didn't feel capable. I'll actually just read it, Revelation 3, verse 14, to the church in Laodicea. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, right? These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. You are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You see, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. 
Those whom I love I rebuke, and I discipline, so be earnest and repent. And here's the scripture. And this scripture is often used incorrectly as an outreach scripture to say that we're talking to non-Christians, but it's spoken to a church that's gone cold, a church who thinks it's got wealth and it can work itself out without the Lord's help, who's not spending time with God, who's not um, allowing God's presence to take control. He says, here I stand, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him, eat with him and he with me. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now I'm not speaking against any church. This is God's word. And he had laid it in my heart these days, past. And I've heard it said by others that I would trust that much of our church sometimes, our, our wider church can be like that in our Western world, in particular where we've got wealth and richness. And we know how to put programs together, and we know how to put music together, and we know how to do good preaching. Is the Lord in? Are we letting him in? Are we listening to him? So just in closing, and sorry we ran a wee bit over, I do appreciate that today. Um, I also just want to be immediate and not just cut short. Um, Philippians 3, and again, you could just read this in your own time, own time. I think it's lovely the way we're given very, very ordinary, messed up people in the Bible. So the Apostle Paul authorised the death and killing and murder of Christians. You don't get much worse than that, do you? An absolute scoundrel. And the worst type, somebody who thought he was religious and knew better than everyone else and knew God, but he didn't know. He was actually persecuting the true church. So you can go and meditate on that. <laughs> that makes you worried. Lord, I better make sure I'm in the right place and I'm listening to you. But what he says was, see all that stuff? It's all, verse 7, it's all rubbish. Others, person say, for the sake of Christ, I consider everything rubbish because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. All I just want you to take from today is the simple fact of God wants you to know Jesus as his son. Every day, Jesus connects us with the Father. The Father sent the Holy Spirit. But I find it helpful, and the scripture clearly has decided, and God's plan has decided to connect with us through his son, you know. He connects with us through his son. That's the entry point. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But I think what I'm challenging us today with is don't just leave Jesus at the entry point of your salvation. Strive to know him more, and I'm in the same place as you. I want to know Jesus more. I want to love him more. I want to hear his voice. I want to understand his character. I want to know God's presence. Graham Kendrick said in his, one of his other hymns, knowing Jesus, there is no greater thing. So hear the voice of Jesus calling you. Respond. I stand at the door and knock. Are you going to let me into your life? Daily. Pray and read. The word daily is the way God, the pattern God's given us to unlock his instructions to us so we can hear his voice. I hope you're encouraged. Yeah?
just pray. Father God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. I just pray that what we've said here today, you might just remain in it. The words that you want to land, the words that you want to stay. Father, most of all, we pray that individually in this church, we will strive to know you more, Jesus. That we will make it a life goal and a daily goal to just create space in our busy lives to make sure we're paying attention to you, Lord. We need you, Lord. And I thank you for this wee fellowship and every single person in here. And I pray that you're encouraged and built up in the Lord and the most holy faith. I pray that the revelation of God will be expounding in your lives. I pray that the gifts that God's got for you and given to you will be fanned into flame in Jesus' name. And that you'll know the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the presence of God in your lives. In Jesus' name, that the Lord will teach us and instruct us and help us to move in his power and in step with him as a good shepherd who loves the sheep. Help us to hear your voice collectively, Lord, as a group in New Beginnings Church, so that we can speak that out and follow you to be effective in the world. And Father, I pray that your voice will also speak, even right now, into the deep places of our lives, into those areas that we're struggling with those problems and questions we have, we pray that your direction, your presence and comfort might be very, very deep and wide in our individual lives and in our church group and out to our community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.